0: Following a message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Something that I want to emphasize today in the message, it's all about Christ. It's all about God. It's all about the light that he provides in the darkness. Do we stop and think and reflect on how much God of creation, all creation, cares for you? It's such a good practice. It's inspiring. Right here, right now, even with all our baggage, He loves you. He cares for you. He can't love you anymore, and He won't love you any less. Isn't that awesome? And how does he prove it? By sending his only son to die for us, to die for, in our place, to take the wrath that we deserved. All sin, all mankind, past, present, and future. If you go to Psalm 8, we can get a glimpse of what God thinks of us. Verses one through four. O Lord, our God, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. started a little context for our text today Uh, this is uh, the psalm psalm is psalm 18 Uh, the entire chapter it's it's a psalm of david Uh, there's basically this is a psalm that is actually mirrored almost word for word with some variations in second samuel you can go there and you can, you can see. And one of them is more of a kind of in the context of the events in 2 Samuel and Psalm 18 is more of just the outright declaration of praise that David is offering to God. This is when he's being, essentially being pursued by Saul, King Saul, who knows that David is going to be succeeding him and doesn't want that. And... This is the time when it's believed that, uh, that, that David is, is in the process of understanding that he's being delivered. Uh, all of the details have not been worked out yet. Uh, he's not been completely freed of the circumstances, but he is in a place of confidence and trust, and he recognizes that. And so he sees this. He refers to God as the light in the darkness. Um. I watched, no coincidence, uh, God's Not Dead 3, which the, t- the subtitle is Light in the Darkness. Um, don't know why that actually came to me, uh, but I was watching that and it's no coincidence. Now granted, the if you've seen the movie, you know that there's challenges to the pastor who's the main character and what he goes through is not easy that any one of us would struggle with. And we all have those struggles. And it shows you that he's frail and he's human and he fails miserably in the middle of this film but eventually he comes around to realizing that the model for all this challenges that we have in life is Christ David was dealing with a lot worse than that pastor in the film he was dealing with death life and death it was before him but as, and this is not the first time we've seen David have conflict throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, pretty much his entire existence as we read it is filled with conflict. But he portrays God in several ways in this Scripture as a rock, as a shield, fortress, deliverer, stronghold all throughout chapter 18. It's quite an incredible picture he paints for us. Is that how we look at our God? Do we trust him as our rock and our foundation? Or do we only go to him when we need his help? When we think we need his help. So we can also make these applications in our own challenging moments. Now Psalm 18 is one of the longer psalms. It's the fourth longest by Uh, verses uh, in in all scripture. Psalm 119, 78, 69 are a little bit longer. As I said, this is a kind of an adaptation of David's praise in the midst of this challenge that he was struggling with. And it's clearly a a song of, of worship. He's expressing his love for his God, for our God is coming from someone who's experienced incredible blessing, but yet is under extreme duress. And that's just such a powerful testimony for each of us. So let's just take a glance as we enter into chapter 18, we kind of back up from this text for today and look at verses one and two and see the stance that David takes. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And what do we see here? We see this, this praise to God in the midst of these challenging moments. He's thank youing for, thanking God for rescuing him time and again. He's demonstrating that he has such faith in God over all the fear that he might have. Profound. David's been hunted. He's been persecuted. But yet he's, he's praying. He's singing a song of praise. Uh, actually in the ESV, the title over the Second Samuel piece is Song of Deliverance. And he's crediting God with rescuing him. He's praising the Lord. And while this is not a perfect man, as we can all attest, the greater patterns of David's life was to honor and obey God. We have heard it said that David was a man after God's own heart. If you go to 1 Samuel 13 and 14, you can see the illustration of this where he's speaking basically to Saul, who's, he's Samuel is calling him out. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. He's referring to David. And see, this is just a kind of a diversion for me for a moment to remind us that we're not perfect, but that should not stop us from praising God. That should not detract from our willingness To seek him. Because I have news for you. We're never going to be cleaned up enough. And God doesn't care. He wants our whole heart. He wants our desire to line up with his. Our will to be lined up with his. And how is that going to be the case? Through prayer, through meditation, through digging in and meditating on his word. For literally intentionally seeking him with diligence. In 2nd Samuel, David expresses praise for all the times in his life where God gave him victory. He continues that throughout chapter 18 as well in Psalm. He's it's like it is a dramatic account if you, can, if you look at the emphasis on some of these terms he's using to describe God, it's not as if he's saying it in some monotone kind of conversation. God is my fortress. God is my stronghold. You can get the, the sense of how passionate he is. It's dramatic. It's powerful. It's what made him successful as a, as a military leader. He commits himself to praise and worship of God. Yes, he's been victorious over many enemies, but God has gone before him. It's the confidence that he has in the Lord that delivers him from his enemies. And even though our enemies are different, we still have one enemy in common, And God will deliver us. I always laugh at the football players who refer to themselves as warriors. And maybe when I was younger, I appreciated that more because, you know, I was like, you know, I wanted to be like them. But the truth of it is, is when they refer to themselves themselves as warriors, they have no idea. We're talking about a game. And yeah, you can get hurt. This is not life or death. So let's take a closer look as we get into the text today, verses 28 and 29. For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Verse 28 is the foundation verse, it is the memory verse for this month. It is is where the title of this message comes from. Light in the darkness. It is so clear that David is recognizing as he is is calling out and making sure that uh, this song of deliverance points to God. That all that he has accomplished is because of the work of God not his own. And that God's not done. God is not done working. That the force behind everything David is doing, what what he's about, all that is happening is because of God. David has been given special revelation from God, and he's acknowledging this here. And God has clearly lightened the path for David. He was a light a lamp in the darkness. And David is remembering his battles. He's remembering his challenges. He's recognizing that he desperately needed God's direction. How often do we do that? And I can assure you, as much as you may do it, we probably could do it more. Even the great King David is having moments where he might be uncertain. He might be facing a conflict that causes him to be unsure in his own strength of where he's going next. But see, in this verse 28, he's, pa- he's talking about God's divine provision that whatever fears he has, his faith in God, his confidence in God will overcome that. It will light his path. It'll light his lamp. It'll squash out. It'll obliterate the darkness. Overshadow, overpower, all those things that might be considered darkness around him, and he has many. David is clearly recognizing and trusting in God here. What a model for us. In verse 29, we see this even further. For God, for by God, he charges through a troop. Right, what is a troop? A troop is usually a large number of people in a battle, other warriors, and this is the confidence that he has. And it's not his own, it's the strength of God that is enabling him to battle this troop and to leap over a wall. So we can get some sort of uh, reference point. He's empowered. He's been enlightened and he's been empowered. And he recognized that if it wasn't for God, that he would be lost. That he would be without direction. That he would not be the successful warrior that he became that he did not not have to be afraid any longer, but that this was strength given to him by God, instilled, inspired in him. That he could overcome any darkness, any challenges. This is not by accident. David being a man after God's own heart He clearly is trusting him. Time and again, we see David praying, worshiping, meditating, and I think most of all, being obedient. He's exemplifying all of those attributes, trusting, meditating, praying, obeying. This is where the confidence comes from. And if we follow in those footsteps, we too can have the confidence that David had. He too will destroy the darkness in our path. Are we singing a song of deliverance in the midst of our challenges the way he was? That's heavy. So, some points of application are we trusting God in difficult circumstances? Is it in those moments where that trust is expressed through prayer and meditation and song? Is it there where we understand God's word and express that understanding through obedience? Not my way, Lord, but yours. I believe David is showing us a clear picture of those attributes, especially that of obedience. Throughout Scripture, particularly the Psalms, David shows many examples of his trust and his confidence in God. When we look at Psalm 27, it's one of my life verses, Psalm 27, 1, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? There has to be a a connection between those words on the page and your heart. We can read those verses all day long. Is it something that we desire? Is it a relationship through this word? Because it'll be different as the veil is being lifted. Those things will, will be instilled in us that our steps will be guided by the Lord and then we will f- take this same approach of whom shall I be afraid? The Apostle Paul also demonstrates a similar mindset in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, 9 and 10 where he says, for I and the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. I am what I am. God said, I am. in in his appearance before Moses. And I am what I am. I am him because he inspired me to be the light of God. Jesus said you are salt and light in scripture. He talks about us being those things. It's not figurative. Paul is referring to this in a sense that's similar to David's. By the grace of God, that, was, that is with me. We too can walk in step the way David did. And this brings to mind a famous quote from John Newton, the famous minister, author, abolitionist. He's the author of uh, the song Amazing Grace. And he says, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I think we can all relate to that. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still, I am not what I once was, what I once used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see the correlation. Awesome. Because of the grace of God and the light of God, His light in the darkness, believers are no longer who they once were. Whew, this sinner will never be the same. And King David was no longer who he once was. Is that not worthy of praise? <laughs> we see the transition in, the, in verse 28 from the first 27 verses of chapter 18. Go back and read it. Because he was looking back at how God delivered him. Then he transitioned to the present day, to the future. And he's giving thanks with great confidence going forward great confidence in knowing that God is going to handle it. When we have gratitude and thankfulness the way David did, it leads to great confidence ourselves. David is expressing joy in this moment? Are you kidding me? And this thanksgiving that he is giving out this song of praise in the middle of this moment, he is Being propelled to great confidence going forward. This morning we discussed David when he was facing Goliath, this teenager whose armor didn't even fit. He's like, nah. He came in with confidence that the deliverance was done. He's doing the same thing here in verse 18, chapter 18. His heartfelt gratitude for the deliverance by God in the past is bleeding over into his stirring anticipation for the future. Amen. He's making this powerful declaration that God is the one who lights his lamp, his path, brings him out of darkness, inspires him. In verse 29, he's essentially saying, bring it on. Once again, are you kidding me? The confidence not in himself, but in God. God's power will enable him to overtake any enemy, to empower him to accomplish anything. It's just mind-blowing. That is not our nature. As human beings, our nature is to do it in our own strength, and when we need extra help, then we go to God. It's like a crutch. And I'm not saying everyone, mostly speaking about myself, these are challenges. We grow up in this culture where our mindset is, ah, you can do it, put your mind to it. But it's when you come to your lowest point, when you recognize that you can't do it, that you need God and everything, that without him we're nothing, when we're awakened. How awesome is that? A little application Questions. Do you trust God with the confidence of David? Or is your unbelief putting God in a box? What will it take to find that confidence in God that David demonstrates? Well, I would say prayer would be the beginning. Ask questions. God has the answers. Be intentional, be diligent. We had an entire series last year on dwell in God's word, dwelling in the Lord. And when you do that, the Lord dwells in us. It's this this mutual state. Abide in his word and his instruction and obey. I think when we do those things with our heart being humbled, it enables us to stand in the same confidence of David. And all throughout scripture there is circumstances that we can see a, a, a opportunities There's, they're not slides that are in your uh, in the presentation, but psalm 88 thirteen speaks about prayer but I O oh Lord, cry to you in the morning by my prayer comes before you. Jesus himself would pull himself away intentionally and pray. Being intentional, Proverbs 21, verse two. It's, again, not on your slides. I apologize. This is the way the Lord is. I had one of those moments where he woke me up extra early. Every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. What are your motives? What's your intentions? Second Peter three fourteen. Be diligent. Second Peter three fourteen. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish, and at peace. Psalm 23.6, I'm going to make a reference to this in a few minutes, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another psalm from David. Dwell. John 15.4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And obedience in John fourteen fifteen, 15, where Jesus instructs that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. And this is applicable to each of us. All those verses and the Bible, those are just a few. As believers, we all have the joy in knowing Jesus. The joy in knowing the God who created the heavens and the earth, who put the stars in the sky, that set the earth in such a place as is spinning, that we don't burn and cook or freeze to death. He is mindful of us, as Psalm 8 says. He does care for us, he's pursuing us. How are we not moved to go to him in prayer, to be intentional? to be diligent and to share the message. I didn't even put it in, but part of the obedience is to go and make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all that Jesus had taught the disciples. So as we're standing in the confidence of God, we can do that. Even if you're not considering yourself one of those people who brings disciples before the Lord, trust me, you are. And maybe these experiences that we're talking about with David don't don't resonate with you in verse 18, chapter 18. This whole kind of military war stance. And that's why I love the Psalms. Because you can go through the Psalms and without question you can find something that applies to your life, that the, that the God of all creation will be calling out of you. Do you believe that? Are you willing to go find it, to dwell on it, to obey? These are not rules to keep us frowning and down. This is not that. This is God of all creation giving us new life. Deep, profound instructions that apply to every one of us. Believe it. Verse 30 and 31. Today's text. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Again, David is is. Is singing a song of praise, explaining that God has strengthened him, that He has provided him with the edification that he needed. And we all need that. He knew that God was the rock, the foundation of his life, the stronghold. And he believed that his way is perfect. No faults, no flaws, no errors. Is that how we look at God? He knew that God's word was sound and clear. It provided clear direction. He it provides it provides the way. It provides protection. Refuge. We can make a connection to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 14, chapter 14 and verse 6, and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what David is referring to in verse 30 about this perfect, flawless God that we can trust, that we can rely on, that we can lean into Completely, we can humble ourselves before. It shows itself in the life of Christ. How blessed are we to have that at our disposal, to see those things, the reliability of the word of God coming before our eyes. Now I can tell you that uh, you know, having the privilege to teach history to young people these kind of things come up all the time I'm very blessed Uh, one of the things we talk about is map making cartography and you know we're so spoiled we have GPS now right Um, I fast I'm fascinated we were in Virginia last week and I have to say I was losing my marbles because Mary Beth was driving and not because she was driving honestly which is truth be told, if my GPS, it was a very cloudy day, it was you know, that storm that was up in that, that was in neck of the woods last week and it, the GPS wasn't, it wasn't doing what it needed to do and uh, I started thinking, we were here t- like 20 years ago almost 20 years ago for my brother's wedding and we were in the same area and we had a rental car, I don't know how we got around because we didn't have GPS back then but things have improved over time right? technology has improved map making has improved this is a skill, and many times uh, when they're, when in, as history is unfolding and trade is taking place, they rely on local individuals to kind of tell them where to go. Uh, we can appreciate that when ourselves, when we've been places that we don't, we're not familiar with. But there's flaws in those things, aren't there? The maps aren't perfect, they're not exactly to scale. Humans are flawed and the information they give could be biased, could be intentionally biased, or just ignorance. But God's way is perfect. Beyond a well constructed map, He lays out a way that never leads us astray. It's not some experiment. It's perfect and it's right. And it's tried and it's true, as David alludes to in Scripture. It's been tested, it's been proven. And David is making an exclamation. Again, there's, there's energy behind what he's saying. It's not r- just monotone. The word is proven and reliable. We know this. We're so blessed by that. And David is experiencing that firsthand and he's shouting in the midst of challenge. He's making reference to the fact that it's not counterfeit, that it's not fake that the Word is perfect. We know this because God has illuminated our path. As we've come to have our eyes opened, this is the ultimate GPS. This Word of God is the roadmap to everything we could possibly need to know and how to get there. The Word of God is illuminating He's providing light for us out of the darkness. And we can see the connection between David and the present day. We can make application and it's awesome. It's humbling. Another illustration that came to mind is when we go to a bank or a store And I joke around with students, sometimes they'll ask me for change, uh, and I'll be like, sorry, I only carry hundreds. They laugh, and then they look at me and they wonder if I'm telling the truth. In Which case, my wife knows I don't even really carry cash. But the point of that is when you pay with a bill of $20 or more, the cashier or the teller will always do what? Right, they, maybe they don't do that as much anymore, but they, they put it up to the light and they take that fancy marker and they draw a line through it. Why? Because it's, it's demonstrating whether it's true as opposed to being counterfeit. It's proving its authenticity. Sadly, that, that, even has, that sad that it even has to happen. What does the light of God do? But it shows us what's true. It shows us the truth through his word Our eyes are open. We see the truth. We see that it's real. It's not fake or counterfeit on the pages of this precious book. And it's being revealed to us daily, which is why it's so important for us to, to be intentional, to be motivated, to get into the word, even on those days when you don't want to. To guard your prayer time, even on those days when you don't want to because you're gonna have those days where there's challenging moments. You're gonna be in need. His word is truth and it's being revealed every single day. Be in community with other like-minded believers. It pays off, it's intentional. Be diligent, trust, and obey the Lord's instruction in verse 30 we're reminded of God being our shield and our protector providing protection for all who trust in him we know also that Jesus is our protector he's often referred to as the good shepherd David himself refers to the Lord as the shepherd in verse chapter excuse me, Psalm 23 what do shepherds do I know we've had this conversation before. but It's always enlightening to go back and kind of think this through. They watch out for their enemies who might attack, especially at night. Shepherds defend. Shepherds tend to the sick and wounded sheep. They just go on a search for any that might be lost. They rescue those that have been lost or trapped. They live a sacrificial life. They're willing to ignore their own needs to meet the needs of the sheep. The good shepherd gives his own life for his sheep as he leads them. Psalm of David 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He's meeting every need. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Restoration. We all need rest and restoration. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's leading them out of darkness, the shepherd is. He's protecting and he's providing comfort. Is this not a picture of what David is referring to in chapter 18? Is this not what Jesus Christ our Lord does for us? such a beautiful connection god is our protector jesus is our good shepherd guiding us and leading us showing us the way being the light apostle paul makes this connection as well in second corinthians 4 6 for god who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Light in the darkness. He opens our eyes. This is God of, of the heavens and the earth, the creator of all things, who declared that there be light. The absence of light is darkness and he said I will put the light into the world and not a just a physical light but the light of God The unapproachable light light that is so bright so vivid that Moses couldn't even look at it That he was afraid that he was going to scare the people that when he came down from Mount Sinai that he had to put a veil over But We know that Jesus has given us the, he's, the veil has been lifted for us as believers. Praise God. In verse 31, David is asking, I believe, uh, a rhetorical question. We already know that he knows. He says, who is God? Well, we know there's none other. He says, he, who is the rock? Well, there's only one. There's none other. God is the rock on which we stand. David is confident and strong because everything he represents was built upon the rock. Every action he takes, every experience he has, every good thing that he might think that he is able to do comes from the Lord. This is a time in history when there was lots of gods. There still are. But many that we, we can we can. Look in history books and we can know about all of these different areas, particularly in Central Asia. They're all counterfeit. They're all phony. They're small g gods. But guess what? We have that problem in our own lives. And maybe it isn't, you know, the God of the sun uh, as the Aztecs would worship or some other version of, We have put other things in our lives that we let seep in that become our gods with a small g and take away from our relationship with our creator. What is it in your life that might be preventing you from doing that, from experiencing the fullness of the power of God, that you can have the confidence that David had in the face of difficulty and challenge? Are you committed in standing on the rock that David is referring to? The only rock that matters. The one true God. Jesus refers in a parable in Matthew 7. It's not in your slides. It's kind of long. I'm not gonna read it word for word, but verse 24 to 27. He's speaking about those who trust in him who put their trust in the rock. That when you build your house on the rock, it can take the battering and the beatings of the weather. That it'll stand the test of time. It won't fall. And he says, Jesus makes it very clear, and he says that everyone who hears these words of mine but does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Yesterday, I had the privilege of babysitting my grandson with my wife and he's about he'll be four months old a couple days and uh she was making a bottle and I was uh, showing him the finer things of Bugs Bunny and all his friends and as I was holding him just kind of like this and he's seeing things now and his head is turning all around he sees and there's a cartoon about the three little pigs we all know the story and uh this is after the message is already prepared and I, was, I put it away and, and I, I, I leave it once I'm finished. And I'm watching the three little pigs and I see the pigs are lazy. And they, the one builds a straw house and another in the, in the cartoon builds it out of sticks but it's match sticks to make it even worse. And then you have the other who's the wise, brilliant, mason, builds this brick house to protect themselves from this wolf, and as I'm watching it, I thought to myself, how stupid is that? That you built it on, with matchsticks. Like, it's bad enough that you built it with sticks. And of course, it falls down, and they, they run to their friend who's got this house made out of bricks, and it's, it's, it's the illustration here that Jesus is referring to, and, and it's funny because I've read that verse many times. Those verses in Matthew seven. As I said, how stupid is that? For you to build your house made out of matchsticks? And Jesus says, if you don't do those things, if you don't build your house on the rock, you're foolish. Sometimes the truth hurts. Shortcuts are not the way to go. Straw, sticks, could be easier, could be quicker. You could have more time for play, as the three little pigs learned. But our rock, our foundation, our relationship with him, trusting in the fortress, the refuge that he is, takes time. It takes intentionality and diligence. And he always comes through. And that is worthy of an amen build your house on the rock, trust the one true God. In verse 32, the, the, uh, chapter 18, verse 32 from today's text, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. And I, I pulled this aside because he talks about blamelessness. David is explaining that God has empowered him, that God has strengthened him from inside and out, And he builds us up the same way. He can provide us the power to meet challenges of any kind, to be the light in the dark moments. I think of uh, a weight belt or something that we might use to protect us from injuries, shoulders, things of that nature. What is it meant to do? It's meant to provide us with support but it also gives us confidence that we can do it. It's like this infusion of strength that we get from having it on. And Jesus is so much more than a a protective support belt or ace bandage or something of that nature. It's through this infusion of power that God makes David's way perfect and blameless and he is making that declaration. God's way is perfect. And He will guide us and lead us to be blameless in His sight because of Christ. Do we believe in that kind of strength? Do we trust that God is doing a work inside and out? How is that being reflected each day? And let me encourage you because today might not be as good as tomorrow or maybe the other, vice versa. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him a chance because when you start doubting yourself and you start pulling away, you think you got it covered. You think you're, you're okay. I'm good with God. That's where the enemy knows how to poke holes in your little balloon and a little bit leaks out. Little by little. Before you know it, you're deflated. So let it happen. Do you believe that God will make you blameless and perfect through this this experience, through studying in in, in his word and, and prayer and trusting in the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit? Surrender and submit for starters, just in case. Every day is a new day. I say it all the time. But we must recognize whatever challenges we're going through, whatever concerns we have, that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That he has an amazing plan that includes us, whether it be on this side of heaven or the other. It's gonna come to realization. So trust him. Be obedient to him. Follow his word, follow his leading, follow the light of God. Follow these examples. Be the window that others can see Jesus through you. And what comes from that is a blessed assurance. Right, you know the song. Praising my savior all the day long. Do you, will you? Bring me to my last point. Jesus in Matthew 16 asked Peter an important question. 16 verses 13 through 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi. He asked his disciples, "Who do you people? Who do people say that Son of Man is?" And they replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you?" He asked. Who do you say I am, Simon Peter answered. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When we read David's psalm today, we understand who David says God, who God is. He recognizes him as the creator of all things, the heavens and the earth, the rock, the foundation. We see Jesus asking Peter this pointed question for the same reason, And he responds appropriately and specifically that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Who do you say that Jesus is today? And I'm not talking about this very moment in this church house because all things being equal, probably a little easier. But it's when you walk out those doors Who do you say Jesus is then? Is your life reflecting those things that you're saying right now? Are you living out the truth that once, that you were once lost but now are found, amen? Are you living with the confidence of David in the the light of God that he has provided to us to lift us out of the darkness? And my prayer is for that, for each of you today. Will you be an ambassador for Christ? not condescending, not finger pointing, not hypocritical, like me. If the worship team would please come up to bless us once more, I leave you with a couple of things. A couple of quotes that I'm stealing from, God's not dead, and not to make it overly Simplified. The second film speaks of a history teacher who is being persecuted for her beliefs and sharing a message about who Jesus was. And when she's told to basically give up and to give in, she says, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. Is that you today? Who do you say that Jesus is? And lastly, in the Light of the uh, light in the Darkness film, this s- sweet soul comes to the pastor and asks him, you know, what's going on? There's, there's all the, this chaos taking place within the church. And she's struggling, she's seeking, she's unsure. And she asks him, she says, you know, what do we stand for as Christians? The whole world knows what the church is against but is it, it's getting harder and harder to know what it's for. The light of God makes it very clear. The light in the darkness makes it very clear. Our current times are challenging. Our current culture is challenging us as Christians. There is persecution, and it's growing. Will we sing songs of deliverance in those moments? Will we trust in the light of God in our dark moments? Will we praise him all the days of our lives? And today I just wanna say before I step down, I just thank you for the time that if there's anyone in this room today and you're questioning, if you're, if you're concerned, if you feel the spirit moving, if you have any questions at all, please don't leave here today. I beg you not to go. Let's talk, let's pray myself, anyone up here, Pastor Colin, there are others who want to pray with you. And if you're a committed believer, but you've slid back, you've struggled, you've had issues, that's okay. Make that commitment today. Recommit your heart and your soul to line up with the will of God. Let's talk about it. Let's pray right now. go to the Lord briefly. Lord God you're so good all the time and Lord we just thank you for all you are. I ask you to please be with the souls in this room. I ask you to encourage them, help them to stand up and stand out to trust and to be confident in you and the light you provide in all those moments that are challenging. I pray Lord if there is anyone in here today who has been moved by your Holy Spirit that they would trust you, that they would give their heart to you, that they would be willing to stand before you and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that they would believe in their heart, that they would confess with their mouth, and for anyone willing to come forward and recommit their hearts, Lord, we pray that they would have the urge, the Spirit would nudge them in that direction. We're so grateful for all you've done. It's all because of Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, and we give you all we are this week. Bless these people here today, the children of God. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.